talk dirty to me. The Quick and the Dirty with Hillary and Sandra. You're kidding me. Here are things that I have put in my mouth. Uh, oh my God, Hillary. <laughs> it's what everyone is talking about. Get jazzy on. I'm Hillary from London. I'm Sandra from Ottawa, and welcome to the Quick and the Dirty podcast. It's basically what you talk about with your friends, except we record it. Posted on the internet so that everybody can laugh at us. That's right. And we like to think it's cheaper than therapy, although we haven't really managed the long-term effects of this podcast yet. That <laughs> remains to be seen. I'm a little terrified. I know. I feel like it causes more problems than solves, but so be it. Whatever. So coming up today on The Quick and the Dirty, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Jamie, and she is a, uh, a polyamorous female here in London. Woo! But before we get to that, we have to talk about the quick. Sandra, what happened in your week? Well, it's not what happened so much as what hasn't happened. Um, a lot of my friends and even the listeners of my radio show found out that I haven't had a pap smear in seven years. Seven years, eh? I know. As a direct result of that, I'm having my first pap smear in seven years this week. Wow, good for you for for going and taking care of it. Grabbing it by the horns or the shoulders. (laughs) By the stirrups. I (laughs) I grabbed it by the stirrups and I'm going right in. Uh, Wow. So why haven't you had one in seven years? Because I don't like it. That's why. Because the thought of going into a cold clinical room with no windows and putting my feet in stirrups and then being asked to scooch up a little bit so uh, somebody could look into my vagina is just not my favorite thing. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing. And they, you know, are and you then, not like friendly with your doctor? Do you not get along? My doctor is 12. So I actually, that's funny you should say that my doctor has never seen my vagina, and I'm pretty sure he goes to bed every night thankful. Oh, it's a he and it's young. He's, he's a he and he's young. He's a great guy. I love my doctor. Don't get me wrong. But I just, something about the relationship that we have, he is not allowed to look at my vagina. Are you so, going somewhere else to get it done? No, I'm going to the, I'm going to the same, pr- he has a practice w- along with a bunch of other doctors, but nurse practitioners are actually the ones that do the pap smears and the physicals and all that stuff. And that's great. And they're women. Cause I am one of those people that needs to have a woman look at me. I can't, I just, I don't know what it is. I I'm definitely just, prefer it. I uh, I prefer to have a female doctor. I don't right now, which is, yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what it is. And there's some women who don't care, but I, I really, really do. I mean, you got to put on the miner's hat with the light and you got to go in on a fact-finding expedition. It's I like cave you, diving. It is. Sometimes you don't make it out alive. Sometimes it can be rough down there. The waters are rough. And I just, I, I don't like, I don't like any of it. I don't like the, I don't, I'm getting the full physical too now because it's been so long. you know you have to, right? Because we love you. We want you to stick around and it's important. Now, seven years, in previous years, that would have been terrible, but they changed how long you can go between a pap smear now. It used to be you had to get one every year. Right. Now they changed the protocol to every three. As long as you have a healthy swab. So as long as you had a health. Right. So seven years ago, all was healthy. I had my first mammogram. It was all great. Um, Two years ago was when I was due. It might have been three now years that that they said that I was due. And they just call every like periodically they'll call. And my answer is always, I'll call you guys back when I get organized. And then I never call them back. That's just like the little game we play. So I don't know You're why. You're playing I, hard to get. It's okay. I am. I'm, you know. I'm, 
There's a couple of things that I'm dreading about this appointment. Number one, I, I just, the stirrups is, it's a trigger for me. I don't know what it is. What, something happened to me with stirrups once. Must have Probably been. having your, ch- your children. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. So maybe I associate it with pain. It's also a very vulnerable position to ask a woman to take her pants off, spread her legs, and then have somebody look up her. You understand. And then the next part is the actual physical cleanup involved, because I'm not going to go without shaving my legs, making sure everything is beautiful and pristine. And I even bought a new razor for the occasion. (laughs) I I have to tell you, I I have the funniest uh, pap smear situation. I went to see my doctor before I left up north and she had a, um, I guess, a resident who was working with her and they now ask, you know, can the resident come in and and be a part of your (laughs) appointment? And I was like, okay. Well, it turns out it was a female resident. Thank God. Thank God. And uh, I hadn't been expecting to get a pap smear that day. So the the surprise pap smear is that, those not... are two words you never want to hear together. Surprise pap smear. They should not go together. Well, so it's just a... like something was kind of, I wasn't feeling right. So she wanted to go in and do a little work, oh. do a little check, uh, check my oil or whatever. <laughs> check under the hood, as they say. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, I haven't done any cleanup. I didn't, I didn't even shower this morning, like whatever. And she looks at me and she says, I used to work for the Navy. You have oh. no idea the things that I've seen. There's dirty vaginas in the Navy? I don't understand. Apparently. And like all sorts <laughs> of just dirty people, I guess. Like, I, well, cause they they um, don't have necessarily have access to, you know, all of the cleaning and shaving we do. I guess. Okay. Well, fair enough. You know what? That must have been comforting for you. Not really. Because I was like, I don't want to be that dirty. You're comparing me to dirty <laughs> But so not only did the doctor see it, but the resident took a good look. Oh, at, yeah. Oh, boy. That's too bad, Hillary. It's uh, yeah, it's strange. But you know what? It, it, what's one vagina from another? I hope that they all look the same. And, you know, by the way, speaking of having a resident in the room, that's also what happened the last, the first and only time I've ever had a mammogram. Um, that was a separate appointment. They sent me to the hospital and everything was great. Uh, I went into the room and they said, do you mind? We have a co-op student. So it wasn't even a medical student. A co-op? It, was a, it was a high school student. <laughs> so she's about 17, 18 years old. And obviously she wants to go into nursing or the medical field. And she's, you know, she, and they figured, we're, we'll just throw her the mammogram. She can't touch anything or break anything there. So they asked me to take off my top, and I do. And I could see this 17-year-old girl <laughs> staring at my tits. Like, you know, Is that what not... they look like at that age? I just, so I looked at her, and I'm realizing she's, I could see the look of horror in her face. And I looked at her, I said, take a good, I said to her, take a good look, because this is what they're going to look like in 25 years, honey. And... Uh... <laughs> I feel worse for her than I do for you. I just, she just walked away thinking, I need a better bra. <laughs> I need a better bra badly. So that was like, and I, but I was very punchy that day, as you can understand. <laughs> I was out of my element again, you know, my, and the, then you, then you're in the room and my instinct is to cover up my boobies, not to let them hang out. But then you don't want to appear like you're ashamed of your body. So you, you're like, okay, I have to commit to just letting them hang out, even though you're feeling deep shame on the inside. Oh my God, Hillary, I don't know if I can do this appointment this week. You're going to be fine. Oh, uh, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to start the shaving the night before and then do a quick finessing about an hour before <laughs> I go in. 
I am a Greek woman and my hair doesn't grow. Like, you know, people after three days, I'll feel my hair. It's For me, it's like every, 12 hours I later. Know. It's like, oh, it's all grown back. A Look good at me. set of goosebumps and it's over. Yeah. All it's right. like cat claws. They're back out. <laughs> So listen, I will thank you for your concern. I will give you a full update in time. When I've recovered emotionally, I'll talk about the pap smear because I have a, a feeling there'll be oh. something to talk about. And just pray that I don't start like bucking and shimmying and kicking or anything like that. I don't even think I need to do a quick this week because that was amazing. <laughs> Mine doesn't compare. Oh, Hillary, I bet it does. So I went to a, a party this weekend. It was like a charity function. And I was almost that girl that throws up at a charity function. Nice! <laughs> I, first of all, that's not a thing. That girl that throws up at a charity function is not a line. So you would have been the first. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just, of course, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> We're at this charity function. It's like a dinner dance. Everybody's having a good time. The wine is flowing. The music is going. And we're just having a good time. Very relaxed. Now, anyone who's just starting to listen to the podcast, I had gastric bypass surgery a little while ago. So I'm still learning what my stomach can handle and what it can't. And sometimes I forget that I had the surgery, but like right. it's all in the past. So we sit down for dinner. Everything's fine. I'm chatting. We're about to do speeches, about to get up. And I have this moment where, you know that feeling when you're going to throw up and your mouth just like the spit Starts yeah, coming in your mouth. And it's, it's right and it's there. It's like yeah. thick and it's kind of foamy, and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, and you kind of get the burps a little bit, and you're like, oh, now's the time. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have never walked so fast in my life. I'm like the ultimate slow walker. I bolted it out of there. I turned to the person next to me and said, excuse me for a moment. Boom. I walked so fast and excused myself to the bathroom. I I didn't end up getting sick. Thank God I was wearing a oh white dress. God. It could have been really oh bad. My God. Oh my, this is a nightmare. <laughs> this is my personal nightmare. Like, I'm, I've never been that person that gets sick when you're out with your friends. Like, I am not a puker. No. And this was my moment. Like, it could have happened. I ended up being <laughs> fine. But my biggest fear was that everyone would assume that I got shit face drunk at a charity function and toss yeah. my cookies on the carpet <laughs> at the nice Hellenic Center at in the, London. I, yes, that was the video that I saw you dancing. You look oh, like yeah. you're having a great time, but yeah. But then everyone's going to say you're drunk after that and you don't need oh, that yeah. negativity no. in your life. And it was just that I, I ate a potato too fast and it was stuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is how lame I am now. Like it used to be like, yeah, I'm a party girl. I had like 10 drinks that I tossed my cookies. And now it's like, oh, I ate a potato. That's right. Yeah. If you're going to be that girl you want, I mean, you don't want to be, you want to have full credit for it. Like, yeah, I did pound them back. Yeah. You can't, yeah. The potato isn't going to work for me, Hillary. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want like some salacious story about how I was the life of the party and I made it with 18 people. And like, <laughs> and then I tossed my cookies and cried about it on the front stoop. You know, I, I would like throw up a potato. I know. I, I would have. Like, totally started a rumor if you needed me to. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, you should see Hillary. She's a mess. She is fucked up everywhere she goes. That girl's wild. I totally would have had your back on that girl. I would have put it on social media, too. So, like, you know. Thank you. The, yeah, everybody at your radio station would have heard about it, too. That's great. And maybe your listeners. Even so better. So I might have lost my job, but it would have been worth it for the reputation. Well, what's what do you need? Do you, I think your reputation is more valuable than your job. <laughs> you don't want to be the girl that threw it because she ate a potato. Nobody wants that. <laughs> I would never get invited to another party.
She's oh God, so no. wild. Yeah, no. Everybody, put away the carbs. Hillary's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, right. it, it's fucked up. Okay, okay, we got to move on to the. Dirty. We got to get down to the dirty. Uh, today we have a really special guest, a friend of mine. We threw axes together actually at some point in an axe throwing league. Cool. Jamie Lee Arsenault. She is a uh, a polyamorous lady from London, uh, and she. He's here to talk about what it's like to be polyamorous, what it means, what those relationships are like, and how she is accepted into our community. Welcome, Jamie Lee. Woo! Let me turn you on. <laughs> There's that. Welcome. Details, details. Thank you so much. So is it, I, I don't even know this, is it just Jamie or is it Jamie Lee? It's Jamie Lee, but either is just fine, though. Okay. Well, welcome. We, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Where now, do we start? <laughs> I mean, I don't know where to start with you, Jamie Lee. So I've known Jamie Lee for a couple of years, but it wasn't until just about a month, maybe two months ago, that I was aware of your relationship status and mm-hmm. and sort of how you identify as polyamorous. Mm-hmm. It's something you kept pretty close to your chest and pretty quiet about. I did. What made you decide to, well, come out as polyamorous? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been living a polyamorous life for several years now, and it's something um, that we only really have told close friends and close family. Um, but it just it built up so much. It's hard to keep that secret because uh, it's such a big part of who I am and uh, the way I live my life. So eventually I just decided to come out. Um, and it actually was about a breakup um, because I felt that that secrecy was a contributing factor to that breakup. Um, so I decided just to come out and be open about it. Now, what is polyamory to you? Because yes. I know it's different for everyone. It is. And uh, just a backstory: Jamie Lee is married to a, a lovely man named Kaylin. <laughs> and uh, they you seem to have a lovely relationship. We do. Absolutely. Kaylin and I have been together for about eight years now and married for three of those years. Um, and polyamorous for five of them. Um, and to answer your question, Hillary, polyamory to me means that I am open to having multiple relationships and potentially loving multiple people. Um, and I fully support Kalen in doing the same. Uh, sounds like you're the perfect wife. <laughs> <laughs> Some days. <laughs> I, no, but how do you, you know, I understand what Paula, so, so it's not just on your end, it's on either end. So yes. you, it, be, it, it starts with a monogamous relationship and then either either partner can have multiple relationships as well. That's sort of what you're saying polyamory is? Well, for me personally, it started with monogamy. We were exclusive, um, but then we decided to open up our relationship, whereas others may just identify as being poly, and that's how they start their relationship with others. What's that conversation like? <laughs> what, really, how do you how do you have that conversation? Because let's say you wanted to be poly- polyamorous and then your husband's like, girl, <laughs> you know what I mean? That could really uh, go down a very slippery slope with your spouse. Absolutely. Uh, it's a very hard conversation to have. Uh, I was at the point where I knew that I wanted to be with Kalen and I loved him and we had something meaningful, um, but I knew that I wanted to be open to more than just that. Um, And I didn't want to resort to cheating or lying. Um, That's not the person that I wanted to be or the spouse I wanted to be. Um, So we had a lot of long, hard talks before we started seeing others. 
How did that first date with someone else <laughs> go? Like, I would imagine ego comes into play. Like, what? I'm not enough for you. <laughs> and like, was it harder for you or was it harder for Kaylin to add others to the relationship? Um, I would say it was harder for Kaylin. Um, and he would say the same. Um, he, I think, struggled with jealousy um, right off the get-go um, and seeing me with others, which is understandable. I think we expected that. Um, whereas for me, something different came up, um, a term that we call compersion, um, which is when you're just happy to see your partner happy. Um, so for me, that came a bit more natural from the get-go. When, when he was out on a date or getting ready to go on a date, I was excited for him and I was helping him to get ready. Um, so yeah, that was our experience. Uh, so l- let me just get this straight. That was your idea? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, I could I could see that because it wasn't his idea, it might have been harder for him to wrap his head around that. It would be hard yes. for anybody, I think, to completely change your relationship that far into it, right? Absolutely. And thankfully, he was very, very open to working with me. Um, and I would say, too, that from a younger age, he had been attracted to more communal living. Um, so just larger groups of people living together and maybe having larger family units. Um, so I would say in a very different way, uh, non-monogamy had appealed to him from a younger age, too. Uh, so we just explored that. How did you read up on it and make sure that you were doing it in a healthy way? <laughs> um the internet, of course. The abyss of course. is the internet. <laughs> um, and I came across a book called The Ethical Slut. And it was probably to this date the best book that I've ever read. It, sorry, read. Uh, it really helped me to navigate the different types of non-monogamy that exist and just validating that it's okay. Uh, you're not going to see this projected in mainstream society as much as you might need to to feel validated in your choices. Uh, so reading that book for me, was it was a game changer. You said something a while ago, right off the top, about polyamory is when you could, you know, be with, have a relationship with your significant other and then have other relationships and love other people. Mm -hmm. See, that L word to me (laughs) would be the thing that would complicate the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's one thing. I mean, sex and love, obviously, to me anyway, are two different things. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're having sex with other people. You're having real loving relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. That's complicated. Absolutely. And I'm not going to downplay that. Uh, It can be very complicated when you love multiple people and to see your partner loving other people. Um, But also on the flip side, the joy that it can bring when it's done well and when things are working, uh, it's pretty indescribable. How, How do you make sure that you're always coming back to your partner? Like, does Mm -hmm. one partner in a polyamorous relationship take priority? Mm -hmm. So you love Kaylin, you're married to Kaylin. Is he your number one and anyone else is number two? Mm -hmm. And they know that going in? Or is everyone kind of on equal playing field? Like, what happens if you meet someone and you're like, nope, this is my number (laughs) one? Do you like, goodbye? I like a ranking system, Hillary. That's a good idea. You're my one, two, three. I mean, like, this is someone you've committed your life to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's funny because the ranking system sort of kicked my ass this summer, to be honest, Um, because I think in my mind, that's how it has always been. Uh, So for years, I've always come back to Kalen's my priority. He's my primary partner. Um, And that um, that actually led to me hurting other people. It led to me making other people feel like they weren't as significant, that they weren't a priority, especially when they're more so kept as a secret. 
So when we're not living openly and people don't know that I have this other significant relationship, um, that can make someone feel like they're not that special. And it actually led to a breakup that I've had with another primary partner. How many primary partners do you have on any given month? I don't know how to ask that. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to ask no, that question. No, it's okay. How often are you, I mean, do you, how long term are these partners, I guess would be the first question. Um, my longest term relationship that I've had with someone else uh, was just shy of a year and a half. Um, but I've had other significant relationships that have only been a few months at a time. And how do they break up? Is it is it does it ultimately break up because they run their course? They can't handle being a secret. Um, they the whole lifestyle isn't for them because I you know there's a, a million ways that this could go sideways. Absolutely, and I think over the course of the last few years, I've seen it all between Kaylin and my relationships. Um, people have left because of uh, maybe jealousy and not being able to deal with the situation, or maybe it's not a good fit. Maybe their partner is jealous if they're with someone else. Um, every relationship is just so different, and sometimes it does just run its course, like you said too, Sandra. I think it would be quite difficult. Like looking as an outsider, you and Kaylin, you're together, you're married. If the other relationships were also with a primary partner, I would imagine that would be easier because it's Mm -hmm. secondary for both people in that relationship. Mm -hmm. But say that third that you bring in or your secondary partner, Jamie, Mm -hmm. Lee, um, if that is their primary relationship and they're not really seeing anybody Mm -hmm. else, how do you move forward with life? Mm -hmm. Like, can you have all the things that other relationships generally have? Yeah, I think so. I think that they might just look a little bit different. Uh, So for example, I'm married. Um, I legally cannot marry someone else, but it doesn't mean that I can't have a ceremony or a celebration of that relationship and it couldn't look very similar. Um, But on paper, there is only so much that I can do minus getting a divorce. Um, So there are certain limitations um, and it depends on the flexibility of each party and what they're looking for. Now, when you and you were, were in this significant relationship that was a year and a half, how much are are we naming this sure. the person? What was uh, so my other partner's name was Chelsea. I, what, how much was Chelsea a part of your family unit? Like, was she integrated, or was it something you did on your own time? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, as a as a three or as a triad, um, were a family unit. Uh, the three of us actually lived together um, right from week one when I started dating Chelsea. She moved in. So we sort of just jumped right into it and figured out life as a three. Okay. So that, that that's was my next question. Why do you feel the need to talk about it? I mean, if Chelsea's moved into the house, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously you're going to want to talk about it and explain it and so on. But what about... Your, I mean, it's one thing to go out on a date and to come back and your husband doesn't need to know every little detail, but it's another thing to have this woman that you're having a relationship with in the house. Did he, what kind of a relationship did he have with Chelsea? A really amazing one. Ah, that's awesome. Thankfully, they just gelled right from day one. Uh, They were, I would say, like very, very close friends, if not close to best friends. Um, And we all were. The three of us just had really great synergy. And uh, by choice, we spent most of our time together, be it at home or out. Uh, The three of us were pretty inseparable. Was there? I I just wanted to know if you had children. No, no children involved, just kitten babies. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So you you sent you you made your lifestyle public. You said your your friends and your family, your close family and everybody knew before everyone else knew. Uh what was that conversation like with mom and dad? <laughs> um I 
thankfully extremely supportive. Uh, there, of course, is going to be concern for my well-being and the backlash that I may get. Um, but my parents especially have been beyond supportive throughout this whole journey uh, right from day one. And I feel very blessed for that because I know that that's not everyone's experience. And when you don't have those key support uh, supports in your life, it can be hard to, to come out in any way. Um, That's so fascinating. It is so fascinating. (laughs) But what do you mean when you say backlash? What kind of backlash, if any, did you get? I mean, okay, I'm so happy you didn't get it from your family because that would probably be devastating. Uh And to not have that support from the main people in your life. But I mean, when you went public, public with it, did you get a backlash? I, again, was very blessed. Uh, I did not. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by an outpouring of support. Um, An outpouring is an understatement. Uh, The amount of messages and comments and texts and phone calls that I received just of people being very proud of me and supportive and reassuring me that it didn't change anything. Um, I can't even describe how much that means after years of secrecy, uh, because in your head, you expect there to be this this hatred and this lack of understanding and... um, it wasn't the reaction I was expecting. I think it all, a lot of that has to do with the way that you mm-hmm. announced that you were Polly. Mm-hmm. It was very classy, and Hopefully. you had mentioned that it had created some real upset in your life, that you mm-hmm. had hurt somebody, that you didn't want to continue hurting somebody, that keeping secrets was only causing sort of unrest emotionally mm-hmm. in your life. And I think that... Hopefully, society's come a long, long way in understanding that nobody needs to feel like they have to hide things about themselves. Absolutely. I I think it's just you get trapped in your head, and I assume it's a similar experience for someone who's just outing themselves of being of another sexuality. Uh, when you are in the closet, it, it really does just kick your self-esteem, um, and your fear just consumes your head. And um, I think sometimes it, you're not in tune with reality. And thankfully, reality for me was that people were very compassionate and understanding and supportive. It sounds like you and your husband have a really great, open and honest relationship. I mean, you'd obviously have to to be be polyamorous. Absolutely. You know, the first thing I wanted to ask you, I wanted to build to it. I didn't want to go right in as my first (laughs) question. Is there such a thing as cheating in the polyamorous world? And what does that look like? Absolutely, there is. Um, And it's it looks like lying. Uh, It looks like keeping things secret um, and not openly communicating. Uh, That, to me, and I think to the polyamorous community at large, is that's cheating. Uh, So me and my husband, uh, very open, honest communication. If I feel something, if I want to do something, if I've done something, uh, the unspoken understanding is that you share that. You overshare everything because you need to know uh, where the other person is at, really. That's what polyamory is all about. And the safety of it as well. I mean, yeah. you want to make sure that your partner is safe, that you are then safe when you're dealing with multiple partners, that absolutely being safe is probably a big part of it. Now, what? how long were you keeping your relationship as, as a, what did you call it, a trio? Oh, a triad? Yeah. A triad. How <laughs> long was that a secret before you came public? Uh, let me do the mental math. I think it was a year and a few months. Yeah, about nine months or sorry, uh, 15 months or so. And how like I had seen pictures of the three mm-hmm. of you online on Facebook <laughs> and yeah, I, I just 
kind of assumed that Chelsea was like your best friend. Yep. <laughs> Which, like, of course, but there's lots of other stuff involved, right? Yes. Or actually, I thought she might have been like somebody's sister. Okay. Because, yeah. Yeah, because I don't know. They're, you just seemed so tight knit. Absolutely. How. How did you explain always being out with each other to people if it was otherwise pretty quiet? Mm -hmm. It's awkward. <laughs> it's awkward because people assume um, and they might sense that something's a bit off if I accidentally would have held Chelsea's hand or uh, made some comment towards her that was maybe romantic. Um, you would see it in people's eyes that they were almost looking for an answer and looking to understand the dynamic. Um, and we often just didn't go there. We just didn't put a label on it. Um, that, and when that we did, must have been painful, though, for Chelsea to be out in public and saying, you know, it's 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 like back in the day where where yeah. people who are who are homosexual back in the day would never touch each other because they didn't want to be judged in anything. And that's very tragic in many ways. Absolutely. And it was it was hurtful to me as well, because I, I wanted to express that um, affection that I had towards her and share our relationship. And it, it's damaging all around, uh, which is a big reason why I came out, because it just um it was so unnecessary and so hurtful. Yeah. By the way, I haven't used the word homosexual in about 10 years. But <laughs> That's OK. <laughs> I don't even know if anybody uses that word anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. So who who had the bigger problem, you or Chelsea with or your husband about not? I mean, what happened that you said, fuck, I got to tell everybody this is bullshit. Um, and I'm getting personal. I realize no, that okay. if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But I'm just I'm just curious about the way it all unfolded. And if I ever take time to think, it's just because I'm still processing everything myself. It's still fairly recent. Um, but I would say I just I had enough when when she left uh, Chelsea, she broke up with me this summer um, and I really just didn't understand why. And I think that we hadn't really talked about these things enough. We hadn't talked about the impact of uh, her being kept secret or feeling like a secondary partner and not a primary partner in the true sense to me. Um, among some other things, uh, it built up and it hurt me in a very indescribable way when she left. Uh, and I just I had enough. I wasn't going to live my life. Uh, like that anymore, whether that included her in my life or not, uh, I needed to come out and out myself. Do you think knowing how much pain this caused for yourself and for Chelsea, and I'm sure mm -hmm. Kaylin's upset as well, because I'm sure he doesn't want to see you upset. Absolutely. Do you think you'll ever be in that serious of a triad again, or do you think you'll keep things lighter? No. <laughs> I might make them more intense, if anything, because uh, I think a mistake that I made was keeping things too light when that's not that's not what I wanted. Um, I loved I loved being in a triad. I loved having two really key primary partners. Um, and I would I would love to have that in my life again. But what about your your husband? Is he not entitled to have a primary partner beyond you two? I mean, it, it seems like your your triad works for you because you get you you get two <laughs> primary partners. And I, by the way, radio high five to you because <laughs> That's like kind of awesome. But but your husband, uh, he would he consider your your primary partner to be his primary partner? Mm. Um, I mean, you can't can you have a perfect triad is what I'm saying. I would say yes, because I, I felt like I did for a while there, minus minus the secrecy. And of course, um, it. It worked extremely well when I had it. Um, and it's not to say it was because um, it was me with this other key partner. Um, my husband 
has had other very meaningful close relationships and I'm more than happy for him um, when he finds those connections and um, puts his energy into them. Um, So I would say it's not a bias thing at all. I'm just thinking like, this could be the way to go. (laughs) It is the way to go. Think about it this way. You have emotional support from one partner, from both partners. Mm -hmm. So when one's not available and they're busy watching football like mine was last night, (laughs) you've got someone else to get your support from or go do stuff with. And then they have someone else to do things that they like. How is it that in today's society, we think one person can be everything to us? I think it's just so ingrained in our culture, this whole romantic notion that you meet Prince Charming and they fulfill every every need that you may ever have for your whole life. And um, that's what you commit to. And I think that's why I chose to come on the show today, the podcast, because um, it's important for people to know that there are other options out there. Polyamory is not for everyone by any means, and it has its core challenges. Um, But I think it's key for people to know that it at least is an option on the table. If monogamy isn't for you, that's okay. It's not for everyone. When you guys set out your rules for polyamory, because I know every couple kind of sits down and is like, what what defines us? (laughs) When you're going on a date, what what are the rules? Like, how far do I get to go with this person before it becomes a thing or I have to introduce you? Or Mm -hmm. like, do you have any specific rules for dating? Mm-hmm. When each of you goes out to meet new people, like oh, no kissing on the first date or like simple stuff to even more complicated stuff. Like how far are you allowed to go on a date? Yeah. Because it's not like from what I understand, polyamory isn't just going and having sex with a bunch of people. It's creating meaningful relationships. Absolutely. Uh, Kaylin and I are at the point where we actually don't have hard rules or boundaries. Uh, we're quite flexible in that we take it one connection at a time and just talk it through. And if someone's uncomfortable with something, we explore that. Um, but we don't have hard and fast rules at all. Uh, we're quite flexible. And we've just found that we've needed to be over the years based on who we meet and what their expectations or maybe their boundaries are. Too. Yeah. So let's say you go to a convention uh, to New Orleans and you're alone and you, you, you know, you get to drinking, you start talking to somebody and you have a one night stand and then you tell your husband the next day. It's fine. Absolutely. Is that, it's fine. Yes, that would so, be fine. I would even so much as probably text my husband that night uh, just to give him a heads up so as to not fully shock him the next day. But yes, that would be totally yeah, th- fine. And that was my follow up question. Do you need to clear sex with each other before you have sex with someone else? We don't now. When we started years ago, yes. We wanted to give that heads up and have that conversation. But now, absolutely, we're just comfortable with it. Kaylin has complete freedom. We just have the expectation that we communicate with each other about it sooner rather than later. Do you tend to find more deep relationships versus him? Like, does he tend to do more surface relationships while you tend to be deeper? Or Because I would imagine women tend to share their emotions a bit more. Yeah. Um, I would say I have had more intense, deeper relationships, largely. He has had some as well. Um, But I think it's also what you're looking for. And that, for me, is what I want. I want those deep, intense loves. And I think that Kellen doesn't necessarily want that at any given time. Are you afraid that down the road, for either one of you, that you will meet someone that you will fall absolutely head over heels in love with, and that'll... I mean, isn't that isn't that frightening to know that you may feel about someone the way you don't feel about your significant other? I mean, the possibilities of this falling apart are are always there, aren't they? 
I would say it is that in any relationship, though. True story. Um, That's true. <laughs> yeah, um, but do you know what I mean? You, you, your level of security. You, ha- I mean, most people. I, I've never met someone who's one hundred percent secure in anything. So, yes. if you go with that theory, you're, there's got to be something that you're insecure about, and there must be something that you're insecure about in a triad or any kind of polyamorous relationship. What is it? For me, it is. I am insecure when I'm lied to, uh, when things are not on the table, and when, as we talked about, when that more so cheating occurs, uh, it brings out the crazy, jealous monster that is buried deep within me. Yes, girl, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. Every time, isn't it? Always. Absolutely. Um, But uh, to get back to your original comment, though, Sandra, about finding that other true love, say, and um, moving on, I think it's actually something that Kill and I are, are okay with. Um, we've talked about all the possibilities of, say, you want to live with someone else or say down the road you even want to have children with someone else. Um, we're just really open to where this crazy journey takes us. And I think I think you really need to be to embrace it because I don't, I'm a different person than I was five years ago. I'm a different person than I was three months ago. So I can only imagine uh, 20 years from now type of thing. So you are open to the fact that you and Kaylin may not be together forever. I think that we will always be together. I'm extremely committed to Kaylin as he is to me. It's just what that looks like is where we have flexibility. So he meets another lady, has a deep relationship with her, wants to have children and says, Mm -hmm. to have children, I would like to be married to this person. Mm -hmm. Would you be like, okay, no problem? And it sounds so crazy when it's so black and white like that, but my answer is yes, I would be fine with it uh, because it, it wouldn't come as a shock. It would be a long-term buildup, I'm sure. Um, and if Kalen wanted that freedom from me, I would give that to him. Absolutely. So what's the point in being married? It's funny because <laughs> as soon as we got married, my my views on marriage uh, changed because our life didn't change from marriage. We lived together. We were non-monogamous before marriage. And I think we just did it because we were young and at the time felt like that's what couples do and that's what family and friends expected of us. And uh, it's funny to come home to your existing house the day after your wedding and go, well, that was crazy and nothing changed. Uh, so to do it again, I don't know if I would get that piece of paper. Um, but nonetheless, that was the decision that we made. Yeah. The longer you've been married, the more ridiculous you yeah. realize it is. I feel like that that totally stands true. And I, I personally don't think monogamy is a sustainable model. Yes. And I say that. And I, you know, I actually listened to um, the Dan Savage Lovecast. And I love Dan Savage. He gives the best relationship advice. But I've been listening to it religiously and every week for the last six months. And a few things a few things I've learned is one, everybody cheats. No matter what relationship you're in, eventually somebody is going to cheat. And I remember specifically, and this blew my mind, some guy called up and he said, listen, I've been married to my wife for 35, 40 years, something like that. And I've had a couple of affairs along the way. She found out about the last one, all this drama. And then Dan said something I thought was very poignant. He said, if you've been in a relationship for 40, 50 years and you've only cheated once or twice, you're pretty good at monogamy. I think it also depends on your definition of cheating. Mm -hmm. That's fair, too. Absolutely. I I don't know what the question was. I think that's different for everybody. Now, do you think you, Sandra, you could do non-monogamy? 
honestly, it just feels like a lot of work to me and a lot of communicating (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of talking and a lot of figuring out and then a lot of rules and a lot of checking in. And I don't think I'm I am. I don't think I'm a secure enough person to be able to handle it. I mean, I my partner would have to be a hundred and hundred percent honest with me. And I don't think Tim wouldn't be a hundred percent honest with me, but he's not a great communicator. So if he started, you know, losing details, I would get pissed off. Mm. You know what I mean? Why don't you tell me that? Why don't you tell me that? And I would get crazy. That Mm. would be the problem. You have to have the right partner to pull this off. I have a separate point of view in that if my partner ever cheated on me, if they had no intention of leaving and they still loved me, I probably wouldn't want to know about it hmm. because a lot I don't of people want feel that, that way, undermining. Yeah. I think depending on your relationship, for me, when a partner says, oh, you know, this happened and they want it off their back. Hmm. It's not about my feelings at that point. It's that they feel guilty. They want to be open because they don't want to feel guilty about it anymore. And then it becomes my problem. Hmm. And it's like if you did something that makes you feel crappy. You deal with it. Mm. I don't want to be responsible for it unless you're leaving me and then we have to deal with it. What if your partner is a serial cheater? Then do you want to know? Probably. Absolutely. Like if it's if it's a lifestyle, absolutely. But if it's like uh, I got too drunk at a conference and I made a terrible decision and I really regret it. And, uh, you know, I can tell you and ruin your life for the next Mm -hmm. three years or I can keep it quiet and deal with my own personal shame. You deal with it. That isn't, there's a lot of people who feel that way too. I'm a, I'm, I'm totally with Jamie Lee though. I'm all about being upfront and I believe it's not the crime, it's the cover up. So if I ask you a question, you lie to me, that does way more damage to me than the actual act itself. Well, I don't, eh, cheating, schmeating, whatever, it's just sex, you know, by the way, I am monogamous in my relationship, <laughs> but, and, and, you know, we, we, we are, are going to maintain a monogamous relationship, but this is, this is single Sandra talking. This is like the alternate universe, Sandra. This is like if you could do it all again this is how you would do it yeah i would i would and i think jamie lee is right society puts all these expectations on us about being monogamous there's got to be a man there's got to be a woman you get a nice little house together and you live a happy life but it's not always so simple no and trying to fit into that mold it can just be so incredibly hard for people and i think that's where a lot of lies and cheating and uh shame too like you mentioned hillary um that lives there yeah, I really commend you guys, especially you, Jamie Lee, for for going and making it public and saying, I don't give a fuck with you. You think I just I just this is it. And if you don't like it, fuck you. Thank I don't you. think you wrote the po- I heard your your post was far more eloquent than that. I think beneath <laughs> it, though, there is a certain layer of fuck you, because if you're not living your life for yourself, what is the point? And right. you realize and you're living your life for other people. Absolutely. And if people don't want you in their life because of this lifestyle, good. Absolutely. You don't want them. You don't want them. And I, I, we have lost people in our lives because of this. But um, do I regret that? No. If anything, um, that's probably a good thing because I don't know if there's people I want in my life anyway. It weeds out the, yeah. the stragglers. <laughs> I do have a question, and this is really personal. Okay. So uh, if you don't want to answer it, I totally understand. Okay. So you made your announcement on Facebook, uh, and you came out as polyamorous mm-hmm. after a breakup. Were you hoping that that would change the situation of your breakup? Yes, that was a piece of it. Um, So I knew that I needed to come out, um, both as an apology 
uh, to Chelsea and also to give myself that freedom to live my life moving forward. Um, But another piece of that was I so hope she sees this um, and sees how committed I am to her and how much I love her um, and she'll come back. And she did. Uh, So that post really shocked her, I think, to say the least, and it shocked her loved ones. Uh, And she came back and we did get back together for a bit. Um, Was she open with her family about her situation? Yes. So her family and close friends would know. um, And then uh, we kept it more private on the larger level, though. Wow. So you did get back together. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that that post sort of changed things. But you said it only only for a little while and then it ended again. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. So am I. Uh, We did get back together for a little bit, but we had other issues come up. Um, So I was very, very hopeful that with a nice clean slate that we could have uh, mended things. Um, But we had other challenges come up. Well, history is history, right? Because I think in that situation, if she was having thoughts that she wasn't a primary, then all that other stuff, you kind of hold it back. And there's probably lots of things that didn't get weren't openly spoken about. Yes. And I think, too, um, she had, and she is okay with me talking about this, um, she had had feelings for someone else, uh, I found out in the long term. And she hadn't been honest with me about that. And it led to a lot of uh, mistrust and jealousy. um, And that came up for us once we got back together. Um, And that hurt me uh, incredibly. Uh, So... Yes. Uh, Lack of communication, I think, came up for us in in various ways. So how can you have expectations that your partner be honest when you can't be honest? Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're all human. I'm not I'm not angry at her now for it. I forgive her uh, as she forgives me for many of my wrongdoings. Um, But it is hard when you expect something from your partner that you're not able to give yourself at that time. Um, A few years ago, I had a friend who... um, started a monogamous relationship with a man and uh, they decided that they were going to be polyamorous as well. And it was great, apparently, for about six six months to a year. They were each doing their own things. They would and and part of the the thrill was that they would get back and compare notes, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they had meaningful not not like you. I, I think that these were more sexual encounters than they were emotional encounters. Right. Eventually he started cheating on my friend. Mm-hmm. And they shut down the whole polyamory thing, and then they became completely monogamous. And I've always wondered this question, and you might have some insight into this. Why the fuck would a man cheat on a woman who says he's allowed to have sex with other women and not tell her? You know what I mean? I've always thought, why are you fucking lying about it? You've got to pass. Why? And it's funny because I've asked myself that question over the years because I've been on on the bad end of that. It's a hard conversation to have with your partner, even if you are non-monogamous, to say, I have feelings for someone else, or I want to go explore this, especially if it's when you're first starting to open up your relationship. And if Uh. you're not willing to expose yourself, um, and maybe even expose your partner to some hurt and some pain, it's not all fun, happy times. Um, So I think that's what leads to cheating or maybe non-monogamy not working sometimes. I think we have a hard time hurting other people because it, it makes you feel guilty. So if you don't talk about it, then you don't have to feel the guilt. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I feel like polyamory is just too much fucking work, to be honest with you. <laughs> so do I some days. <laughs> Actually, when Jamie Lee came in, she was like, I just had to leave Ontario. I went to the East Coast and disappeared for like a week because I needed to be by myself. Yeah. Sometimes oh. you just need a car and yes. a Linus Morissette CD and you just need to let it all, all that out. fucking communicating. It's exhausting. It can be. But the hard thing is you get hooked because when it's working and you have these amazing relationships and you just feel so fulfilled uh, but then when that's gone it's just it's it's heart-wrenching uh, and, and you want to find that again and you're you're chasing it again wow yeah. Jamie Lee Arsenault thank <laughs> you so much for joining us this week on the quick and the dirty giving us a little insight into the polyamorous lifestyle and we are huge fans of yours you've been amazing today and so open and uh, I hope that maybe in the future we'll come back and do a little update yeah I would love to it's been such a pleasure thank you so much for having me Thanks again, Jamie Lee. Okay, thanks. Bye. And don't forget to follow The Quick and the Dirty on social. Instagram, at Hillary on air, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. Twitter, at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. And Facebook, at Quick and Dirty Podcast. If you got a question for us, you can email us at thequickandthedirty at gmail.com.